I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zivi. I'm the host, Zivi Owens. I am an author. My latest is blank, pub date March 1st, a novel. I'm also a podcaster, obviously, a publisher, a bookstore owner, and so much more. If you love books, you're in the right place. In fact, we call it the Zivyverse, or really, the LA Times called it the Zivyverse, and we're going with it. Go to ZivyOwens.com to learn more, and follow me on Instagram at ZivyOwens. Ross Gay is the author of the Book of More Delights, Essays. Ross is the New York Times bestselling author of the essay collections, The Book of Delights and Inciting Joy, and Four Books of Poetry. His catalog of unabashed gratitude won the National Book Critics Circle Award and the Kingsley Tufts Poetry Award, and was a finalist for the National Book Award. B. Holding won the 2021 Pen America Jean Stein Book Award. Ross is a founding board member of the Bloomington Community Orchard, a nonprofit, free, Fruit for All Food Justice and Joy Project, and has received fellowships from Cave Canham, the Breadloaf Writers Conference, and the Guggenheim Foundation. He teaches at Indiana University. Roz, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the book of More Delights, your latest book. Awesome. <laughs> Glad to be here. Um, I was just holding up the book of delights, the book of more delights, and inciting joy. And that's only, you know, a piece of a piece of the puzzle. Um, so tell us about the book of more delights. And I know you talk about in the book about how you decided to wait and you had a whole plan for when you would write it and everything. But um, tell listeners a little bit about that. Yeah. So the, you know, there's it's a follow-up to a, another book called The Book of Delights, which I wrote between, I guess, August 1st of 2016. Yes, and August 1st of 2017. And this. You know, I, I toward the end, I think I talk about this in the introduction to the Book of More Delights. Well, let me just say sort of what that book was. Basically, the premise of the book was that I decided, or it almost feels like it was sort of decided for me, that I would write an essay every single day for a year about something that delighted me. 
And I gave myself three very sort of simple constraints. The first one was to do it every day, which I almost did. The second one was to write them by hand. And the third one was to do it quickly. So I gave myself about 30 minutes to draft all of these essays for the first book. And I took those constraints to the second book as well. When I finished the first book, some of my buddy, the writer, Patrick Rosal, he was, we were actually at a writing retreat together and he was like, so do you think you're going to keep doing them or what? And I decided, I don't know if right then, but thereabouts that I would probably want to do it again, just to sort of see it, um, see what it looked like. I love long sort of long over time serial projects. There's a painter named Robert Motherwell who wrote, who made a bunch of paintings called Elegy to the Spanish Republic over, I think decades he was doing it. There's a writer named Ann Waldman who's sort of, she has this project called the Yovis Project, I think it's called, but it's just an over long period of time. I'm very interested in that. So like the idea of like, oh, what would it be like to do this years and years, maybe decades project of considering delight? So that's that's kind of what it is. Wow. So when you did the first book, were there things that came out of it that you weren't expecting? Like I would expect that you would find a newfound appreciation of life and the small things and the big thing, you know, what else came out of that? Like, did you miss journaling essentially when you finished that year? There was something, yeah, there is something sweet about having the express and explicit, I don't know, obligation or like task or duty in a way that you give yourself that you're every day you're going to write, spend 30 minutes observing and contemplating and wondering about ultimately what it is you love. And there's something very sweet, more than sweet, organizing Mm -hmm. in a way to that. And I definitely sort of felt a little bit like, oh, what, you know, that's a loss. I don't know if a loss, Mm -hmm. but but or or at least like a sort of directive to manage to continue considering that in other aspects of my writing life and my otherwise life as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice having an assignment. Kind of totally. miss school, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I hated school. I hated, hated school, school, but I liked being coached. Mm, yeah. Different different sides of the same coin in a way. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So and then inciting joy came in between. So yeah. tell me about that. So inciting joy, I was sort of thinking about, it came up very quickly, actually. And I don't know if this is quite right. It may have been watching an Atlanta Hawks game when they were like playing in that, they called it the bubble during the lockdown times. And maybe the Hawks had like MLK on their jersey. And I felt like there was some kind of something that I felt about the capitalistic appropriation who was, actually we're doing this on the 16th, the appropriation of who was fundamentally a radical figure. That's one of the origin stories of that book, not the only one. But I felt like, oh, I want to write these essays that consider this sort of deep question, which is, what does it mean in the face of that? Mm-hmm. In the face of that kind of like obscene, what I think of as a kind of obscene appropriation of the advocacy of life, mm-hmm. which MLK and all of these other people represent. But it was MLK at the moment that I was thinking of. And so I, you know, I sort of, I decided it'd be a fun project to write all of these essays about these aspects of my own life that do two things. Well, I wanted to consider what incites joy, I use that word very intentionally, what incites joy. And by joy, I think of the feeling that we enter when we help each other carry our sorrows. So what incites joy and what does that joy incite? Those are the questions of that book. And so I consider like, you know, pick up basketball. I consider gardening. I consider school. Um, I consider dancing. I consider my father's death and some other things. And so that's sort of the premise 
of that book. The longest one is like 60 pages. Where's the longest delight? It's going to be, you know, maybe five pages. <laughs> well, you talked in Inciting Joy about someone coming over and visiting when your father was ill and what that whole period of time was like. Is that, what do you do with a sorrow like that? How do you turn it into prose properly? And what does it do for you once you've done that? It's a great question. I don't know exactly. I mean, I think part of the desire for me as a writer is to sort of have an opportunity to think very deeply about a question. And so obviously sorrow is a question that allows itself to be considered, contemplated on and on and on, just as joy is, you know, because joy is not, to me, joy is not something that is absent sorrow or that is the opposite of sorrow or that is the without sorrow. Joy is very much sort of made of sorrow. So I feel like the, you know, among the things that meditating very deeply about or considering very deeply or writing through, writing as the consideration of these things, it allows me to more fully understand the questions, to maybe more fully be able to articulate the questions. But it also is this moment where I get to sort of witness myself in the process of changing. Mm. So that's what's interesting and the older I get, the more I think, oh, that's one of the most moving experiences of writing is that I'm I'm witnessing myself change. You know, as I come to sort of understand or have a different relationship to something, it is very much that thing of like, oh, in the process of this consideration, if you if you are true with it, mm-hmm. you will in fact be a different person. You know, your creatureliness, which is to say your always changing this will be made available to you. Interesting. It's like my ninth grade English teacher who was like, a great book is the illustration of change. It's kind of right. I know. Kind of right. Yeah. At the time I was like, really? No, let me think of, let me find another example that, that goes against that. But yeah. yeah, I think very often the school, school wants us to imagine that the um, objective is to become fixed. Mm. And to be able to impose a, no- a notion, like an essay can Im- imposes a kind of truth. But I'm I'm not interested in, in being that <laughs> as a writer or a person. And I don't want to be interested, you know, even, you know, if, if I am interested in that, I'm trying not to be interested in that. <laughs> and what I want to be interested in is being sort of the loving witness to my change and other people's change, you know. And that happens, I think, in poems often. It happens in essays often. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. And how does your, you spend time reflecting on your own life, illustrating all of that, writing it. And now your life undoubtedly has changed from the success of your own career, writing the stuff. So what, Mm. what has that all done to the way you look at things? And is it something that you expected to really have things sort of hit the way that they have? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I knew I knew that that like, and when I say that that book of delights was sort of offered to me, I mean that I was walking. I was actually in Umberto Day in Italy. I was having like I was at a, another kind of writing retreat thing, artist retreat, and I was walking home through these like beautiful fields, <laughs> sunflower fields, and you know birds were singing and you know honeybees were humming. <laughs> And I was in a moment of like, I was in, a, I caught myself in a moment of delight. And when I thought I should write an essay about this and I say that it was sort of instructed, you know, I was sort of given to the task of writing about every day for a year, that was sort of given to me. I don't, you know, it sort of arrived. And part of the arrival was like, this will be useful. This will be a, this will be an interesting question for people, including this person, first and foremost, you know, first and foremost, me. And so that's a long way of saying I both didn't know, but I also knew that that there was a kind of a deeply pressing question inside of that thing. The question being something like, what happens when you contemplate what you love? And if you were to write an essay this morning, if you haven't already, but I don't know, maybe you have. It's Mm -hmm. 5.15 on the East Coast. Who knows? You could have written like 20 (laughs) essays by now. Um, (laughs) What would you contemplate today? Like what, what is something that happened today that would be worthwhile of an essay or that had joy or delight in it? I mean, I could tell you about stacking the firewood, you know, it's very cold here, very small detail of like sort of organizing with my partner, you know, a little bit on behalf of my partner <laughs> to keep her warm. That might be a thing, you know, watching the cat we live with stretch out in the sun, really beautiful. There's others. Just listening to your delights puts me in a better mood. I'm serious. Like- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very cold here too. And uh, where yeah. are you? I'm in New York City. Um, and are you in, you live in Bloomington, right? Don't you? Yeah, yeah. I was just, I'm coming there on, uh, I have a novel coming out and I'm coming there on my book tour. To, uh, oh, sweet. Oh, yeah. sweet. Where are you going? To Morgan Stearns? Yes. Awesome. Good bookstore. Yeah. 
Good so some, someone else in the community reached out and they're like, they're great authors here. Like Ross Gay. And I was like, uh, I'm interviewing him. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. So, yeah. That's great. Okay, cool. But anyway, so what is in store after your epic tour and everything else coming up? What else are you working on for writing and any more poetry and music and all of that? Yeah, I'm a, I'm kind of writing a book about my garden right now. I've been writing essays about basketball for a while, but a little bit more. I have a substack in mind that mm-hmm. I think, you know, some staff will kind of come up on that. Yeah, I think I probably, you know, I got the poems that I'm kind of like working on slowly. That's some stuff. And what, uh, how much time do you spend reading? A lot. Hours? Daily? Hours? A little well, bit? Well, you know, depending on my, on how much time I have, but I like to spend a lot of time reading for sure. Are there books that have been sort of talismans for you your whole life that you take with you everywhere? Oh, I have books that I um, go back to often. It's funny, I just ordered another copy of John Edgar Wideman's Father Along. Wideman is one of my most important writers, for sure. I just reread a book by the writer Elaine Scarry called On Beauty and Being Just. Really beautiful book. I go back to Beloved every few years. I might just read sections of it time to time, but there's a poet named Amiri Baraka, whose work is always sort of deeply sustaining. I go back to often have been a little bit extra lately. That's a handful. That is a handful. Yeah. Excellent recall. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you have for aspiring authors? I just think a really profound question is like, what do you love? And how can what you love sort of be the engine of the inquiry that you're writing is about? You know, like, what do you love? Even if it's like, yeah, I have a story I want to tell. What's the love inside of that? I think that's a kind of... Not only like, I think it's, an, a, you know, a useful, important sort of ethical way to proceed, but I think it's probably more, it's probably a sustaining, you know, to sort of keep on being like, what do I love? What do I love? What do mm-hmm. I love? Well, it's one of those things without stopping to reflect. I mean, you miss the best parts of life, right? Mm-hmm. When, you have to, when you have to, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Good to talk to you. You too. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.